Hello and welcome to the program, UFO Warning. In this episode, we're talking about the Lovelock Giants. That's correct, the Lovelock Giants. And of course, when we talk about the Lovelock Giants, we're talking about those strange human remains that were found many years ago in the Lovelock Cave out in Nevada. Of course, these uh, skeletons turned out to be of giant, gigantic proportions. They had been part of uh, Native American folklore there for years and years. And it's really kind of a a strange story that it seems like it's almost been ignored and covered up over the years. For some reason, the powers that be really don't want us knowing about giants. Now, this first article comes from megalithicmarvels.com, dated November 24, 2017. It says, 10 Strange Facts Concerning the Red-Haired Giants of Lovelock Cave. I think this will give us a good outline of what we're talking about today. It says that, number one, the oral tradition. The Paiutes of northwestern Nevada have an ancient oral tradition that states that they went to war against a ferocious enemy tribe of red-haired cannibalistic giants known as the Siteka. The chronicle states that the Paiutes trapped these giants inside a large cave, set set it ablaze with fire, and then shot any would-be escaping giants with a flurry of fire-piercing arrows. Now, of course, as accounts say, these giants had been cannibalizing the local uh, Indian population, and they just got sick of it. Finally, they did what any reasonable group of people would do, and they fought back. Number two, it says the written account. In 1883, Sarah Winnemucca, daughter of Paiute chief Winnemucca, wrote the first known autobiography by a Native American woman called Life Among the Paiutes. In this book, Sarah writes about the red-haired people eaters that her tribe exterminated as well as as well as her family's most treasured garment passed down from generation to generation a dress trimmed with this red hair so yeah from what i've read they said that some of this hair was recovered from these giants after these uh native paiutes uh slaughtered them in this cave and they took that hair and they wove it into this garment as kind of a reminder of what had been done Number three, the cave and the miners. It says in 1911, a group of miners led by James Hart began digging out 250 tons of bat guano in what is known as Lovelock Cave, located about 93 miles northeast of Reno. Of course, bat guano is bat droppings, and this stuff, just like bird droppings, uh, contains a lot of nitrogen, and therefore, in those times, was used as fertilizer for crops. It's quite valuable. These miners discovered countless artifacts, burnt arrow shafts, a cave ceiling charred black by fire, and skeletons and skulls of giant of gigantic proportion. It has a picture here of the uh, mountain ridge where this cave is located at. Archaeologists and artifacts. It says in the spring of 1912, the University of California sent L. L. Loud to conduct archaeological excavations at Lola Cave. Loud, who estimated that the earliest inhabitants visited the cave around 4000 B.C., obtained over 10,000 artifacts and specimens, which included a donut-shaped notched stone calendar, elaborate duck decoys, very large weapon shafts, a gigantic pestle, and more. They found stuff there that was just sized for large people. I mean, uh, the one uh, article I saw said that they had like a size 29 sandal or something that they'd found in there. It would have fit somebody who was 8 foot tall or 8.5 foot tall. You find this a lot in these uh, archaeological digs 
where it was suspected the Giants lived, where they're having weapons and tools that are just way too big for an average person. You think about it. These guys were living in the Stone Age. Why would they take the time to create this pestle here that that would take a eight or ten foot person to use? I have a picture of it. It's just enormous. Same thing in the Midwest where they find these huge, huge axes at sometimes. You know, a normal axe would maybe fit in your hand. Why would they take the time to make an axe that weighed, you know, 40, 50 pounds and, you know, might be a couple feet long? It wasn't practical. The corroboration, it says, in their 1929 field guide, Lovelock Cave, archaeologists Loud and Harrington validate the oral tradition of the Paiutes and the testimony of the miners regarding red-haired giants by documenting their findings of skeletons with red hair and by providing photographs of a large-looking skull as well as something else. Yeah, why would they have red hair? I'm, I'm not sure. Have we ever met any Native Americans when the, when the uh, settlers first came that had red hair? Not that I'm aware of. Number six, it says, the humanoid. An archaeologist loud in Harrington's book, Lovelock Cave, is a photograph of a humanoid-looking skeleton they unearthed that is eerily similar to the humanoid and elongated-looking skull found in Parochus, Peru. Consider the size of the skull in comparison to the size of the body. Look at the placement of the large eye sockets along with the smallish face and jaw. It's very strange. Number seven, the newspaper articles. Mining engineer and amateur anthropologist John T. Reed from Lovelock, Nevada, claims to have examined and measured several giant skeletons that were either from Lovelock Cave or the surrounding area. One of several newspaper articles from that time mentions these seven to ten foot giants from Lovelock. In this article from Nevada State Journal dated April 17, 1932, it mentions Reed and a 7-foot, seven 7-inch seven giant skeleton. So they were talking, that's called contemporaneous. They were talking about this stuff at the time. I don't see why they would just make it up. Number eight, more ancient mummies and giant skeletons discovered near Lovelock. Mummies found in nearby Spirit Cave were carbon dated by Douglas W. Owsley of the Smithsonian to be approximately 9,500 years old. And DNA tests proved they were not of Paiute origin, but of Caucasian origin. The Nevada Review Miner published an article in its 1931 June issue reporting two large skeletons that were found in the Humboldt Dry Lake Bed near Lovelock Cave. One measured 8.5 feet in length and was described as having been wrapped in gum-covered fabric similar to Egyptian mummies. The other skeleton was nearly 10 foot long. Wow, if that's true, that is really bizarre. So they're saying they found skeletons that were 9,500 years old and appear to be Caucasian in origin. Now, I'm not sure the Egyptian would really come across as Caucasian. I think they'd be more like, what would they call that, Semitic? I mean, that North African bloodline would be a little bit different, I would think. Number nine, the Humboldt Museum witness and photographs. It says there are a handful of people who have testified to seeing giant skulls from Lovelock Cave in a storage room at the Humboldt Museum in Winnemucca, Nevada. Two of these witnesses are Don Monroe and M.K. Davis. This photo was taken by Don Monroe back in the 1970s and recently discovered among his things that were boxed up. Notice a massive red skull in the middle that appeared to have a double row of teeth. Man, that thing's about two and a half times the size of a normal human skull, maybe bigger. And then number 10, the testimony of the museum director in the cover-up. Recently, it has been confirmed that four of the ancient skulls unearthed at Lovelock Cave are, in fact, in the possession of the Humboldt Museum in Winnemucca, Nevada. According to Barbara Powell, who is a director of the collection, the museum is prohibited by the state of Nevada from putting the skulls on public display because the state does not recognize their legitimacy. 
Now that to me is sketchy. I can see why they would say you can't put these things on display because we believe that they are uh, Native American remains and it would be disrespectful to the Native Americans to put these skulls out there. I could totally understand that. But just to say that you can't put them on public display, display because the state does not recognize your legitimacy. I mean, come on. If, if this actually is true, now this is completely 100% a cover-up and intimidation, in my opinion. Because what would be the point? If, if you think that they are legitimate, that they are remains of Native Americans, Paiute or the other guys, then sure, I could understand why you would say this is disrespectful to these people uh, and we've decided not to disrespect your religion or whatever. Fine, totally understand that. But to say that they are not recognized as legitimate, then then they're not remains of Native Americans, in your opinion. So why would you even care? I would love to see these things have thorough DNA tests done on them so that they could really sell it once and for all. This is another case of something that's... Uh, out of the ordinary borderline paranormal it's a different this native american history is oral tradition and it's something different than what we're presented with Man, it's a fascinating story this this thing about these giants keeps coming up over and over again with these uh, native american stories and there's been so much evidence that seems to have been found and then just uh, hidden away somewhere where we're not allowed to see it. Even today, we have these skulls, we have pictures of these skulls, and they're telling us, yes, we have them, but the state won't let us display them. That's called a cover-up. Now, let's go take a look at this next article. Now, to give us a little bit of background on this uh, case of this uh, love-like cave of giants, I want to take a look at this article here from the, from the archaeologist.org, dated February 12, 2023. It says, the ancient giants of Nevada and the mystery of Lovelock Cave. It starts off, it says, Was North America once inhabited by a race of giants? According to an old legend supported by several challenging archaeological finds, it is possible. Many Native American tribes tell stories about the long-forgotten existence of a race of humans that were much taller and stronger than ordinary men. These giants are described as both brave and barbaric, and legends often mention their cruelty toward whomever they pleased. In fact, we have many legends to talk about the fact that they were cannibals. The Paiute, a tribe that settled in the Nevada region thousands of years ago, have an outstanding legend about a race of red-haired giants called the Sitika. The northern Paiute language, Sitika, literally means tool eaters. Now, it says here, the legend has it that the giants came from a distant island by crossing the ocean on rafts built using the fibrous tool plant. This also talks about them crossing over this great inland lake there that, uh, that existed at that time. It says, as odd as it may sound, this, le this legend repeats itself all over the Americas, suggesting it might be an incomplete chronicle of a real event that happened long ago. In Conosas del Peru, 16th century Spanish conquistadors, Pedro Cieza de Lome recorded an ancient Peruvian tale about the origin of the South American giants. According to the legend, they came by sea in rafts of reeds after the manner of large boats. Some of the men were so tall that from the knee down they were as big as the length of an ordinary fair-sized man. So you're talking about guys that were 10, 12, 15 feet tall. 
It says, could the giants of Peru and the Siteca have been survivors of a massive cataclysm who took refuge on the American continent? Legend tells that the Siteca waged war on the Paiute and all other neighboring tribes, spreading terror and devastation. Finally, after years of conflict, the, tri the tribes united against the common enemy and began to decimate them. The last remaining red-haired giants were chased off and sought shelter inside a cave. The tribe started to fire at the cave entrance, suffocating and burning the Siteca. Those driven out by the smoke were also killed. This goes back to the story that these giants were just terrorizing the local population, you know, murdering them, cannibalizing them. Finally, that they, they just grouped together. People that apparently normally uh, were fighting each other got together, uh, forced these guys into a cave where they were uh, able to eliminate them. In 1886, a mining engineer named John T. Reed happened to hear the legend from a group of pirates while prospecting near Lovelock, Nevada. The Indians told him that the legend was real and the cave was located nearby. When he saw the cave for himself, Reed knew he was on to something. Reed was unable to begin digging himself, but news spread, and soon Lovelock Cave was attracting attention. Unfortunately, the attention was profit-driven as guano deposits were discovered inside. A company started by miners David Pugh and James Hart began excavating the their precious resource in 1911 and soon shipped more than 250 tons to a fertilizer company in San Francisco. Wants a lot of bats. Any artifacts that might have been discovered were probably neglected or lost. Well, or possibly they were just sold or distributed. After the surface, of layer, after the surface layer of guano had been mined, strange objects started to surface. This led to an official excavation being performed in 1912 by the University of California, and another one took place in 1924. Reports told about thousands of artifacts being recovered, some of them being truly unusual. Now, they do have some pictures here. The thing about these artifacts is some of them are just so outsized. Measuring between 8 and 10 feet in height, these mummies have since been referred to as a, as a Lovelock giant. So that's the story that they found these eight and 10 foot skeletons. Of course, those skeletons have long since disappeared. A piece of evidence that remains on site until this day is a giant handprint embedded on a boulder inside Lovelock Cave. It says we won't go into further debate here pertaining to this aspect and its implications. If it's actually a handprint, I mean, it's giant. I mean, it's gotta be like two foot across or something. I mean, you can see that this guy's taking a picture of himself holding a knife up to it for scale. And it just makes his own adult male hand look tiny. It's got kind of a dark blue print on it. I don't know if that was from the smoke in the cave. Uh, who's to say if this is actually a hand, hand print? It almost looks as if it's uh, been eroded into the rock. I mean, this could be a natural formation that just looks like a hand. I just don't know. Around the same time as the second Lovelock Cave excavation, another dig revealed a set of equally disturbing finds. According to a 1931 article published in the Nevada Review Minor, two giant skeletons had been found buried in a dry lake bed close to Lovelock, Nevada. The oversized remains measured eight and a half feet respectively and 10 feet respectively in height and were mummified in a manner similar to the one employed by ancient Egyptians. Another common trait between these mummified giant remains and the ones discovered as far south as Lake Titicaca is the presence of red hair. While some scientists believe the reddish color is a result of the interaction with the environment in which they were buried, 
The mummies verify the legends which describe the Sitika and their kin as red-haired giants. Now, I think it's important to mention these mummies are no we have no eight or ten foot mummies available to the public. Quite possibly they're stashed somewhere in the Smithsonian, but I think we need to we need to remember that this is what was reported, but all the really good stuff seems to have been carted off to somewhere else. Proponents of alternative history believe these violent giants were none other than the biblical Nephilim, Nephilim, the forsworn offspring of the sons of God with the daughters of men. If this is true, there's little chance we might get to see any of the giant mummies. He's interested in keeping history secret. We'll never disclose their location. I think that the location may have already been disclosed as somewhere in the bowels of the Smithsonian. You know, we'll have to do a, a podcast on that later, but it just seems like so much interesting, cool historical data that does not... Um, concur with the official narrative has been sent to the Smithsonian to the Smithsonian and they admit they've got it but much like the moon pictures possessed by NASA you're not going to see it now I'm going to go ahead and put this article here I'll put a link at the buy me a copy website and I want to look at one last article that was kind of written about it it's a little bit it has a, a little bit of a skeptical edge to it but it also does include quite a bit of uh, of uh, pertinent information about this strange case that happened back in 1912. You know, remember 1912 to 1920, that region, uh, let's see, 1910, Howard Taft would have been president. This was just before Woodrow Wilson came in. So you had this developing bureaucracy happening, and which would soon be uh, a behemoth of a bureaucracy with the onset of World War One. So it's not hard to imagine that the government and government actors were capable, even in 1910 or 1915 or whatever, to seize this material and sequester it away somewhere where nobody would ever, where it would never see the light of day. Now, let's go ahead and take a look at this next article. So this next article I want to look at comes to us from ancientorigins.net, ancientorigins.net. Now, the title of this says, Lovelock Cave, A Tale of Giants or a Giant Tale of Fiction. They begin by saying the Paiutes, a Native American tribe indigenous to parts of Nevada, have an oral tradition that they told to early white settlers of the area about a race of red-haired white giants or barbarians that their ancestors referred to as the Siteka. The story was written down in 1882 by Sarah Winnemucca Hopkins, daughter of a Paiute Indian chief in her book, Life Among the Paiutes, Their, right, their Wrongs and Claims. These giants were described as being vicious, unfriendly, cannibalistic. In this story, the Paiutes speak of a giant battle that took place, which led to their extermination at the site known today as Lovelock Cave. During the early part of the 20th century, archaeologists found thousands of artifacts inside this cave, leading to a lengthy excavation at the site, and speculation that the Paiute legend was real. Well, this is clearly one of those cases where... Uh, the Native American stories that they've passed down for generations is just simply proven out by what we can see here you know, from an archaeological perspective. It says, Sitika or Sitika originally tra literally translates as tool eaters in the Northern Paiute language. The tool is a fibrous water plant, which according to legend was woven by giants into rafts in order to escape attacks by the Paiute. They used the rafts to navigate across what remained then of Lake Lanhattan, an ancient lake that once covered most of northern Nevada during the last ice age. Now, I put up a link there at the Buy Me a Coffee site. You can see that this thing literally probably covered like the north 
west uh, corner of Nevada, up into California and Oregon even. So, it, and, and here, judging from the Native American uh, stories they passed down, this thing was actually uh, within uh, oral memory of these people. It says, as the Paiute tale goes, after years of warfare, all the tribes in the area joined together to rid themselves of the Siteka. One day, as the tribes chased down the last remaining red-haired giants, they took refuge in a cave. The Paiutes demanded their enemy come out of the cave and fight, but the giants refused. The coalition of tribes proceeded to shoot arrows at them while starting a large fire in the mouth of the cave. The smoke drove out a few who died in a hail of arrows, while the rest were, were all either burned alive or asphyxiated. Now the article goes on, it says, Lovelock Cave, known also as Bat Cave, Horseshoe Cave, Sunset Guano Cave, and Indian Cave, is located 20 miles south of modern-day Lovelock, Nevada. It's a very old cave that predates humans on the continent and in, and in prehistoric times was underneath Lake Lahontan. That's interesting. In 1886, a mining engineer from Lovelock named John T. Reed was told of the legend by local Indians who took him to the site to prove it existed. Reed was unsuccessful in getting an archaeological dig started immediately, but two miners, James Hart and David Pugh, realized the value of guano as an ingredient of gunpowder and created a company to start digging it out in 1911. Of course, that was 25 years later, right? Guano, of course, contains a lot of nitrogen. It's also used for uh, uh, fertilizer. So you can kind of see as the area became more developed, people were beginning to discover what was needed for different ingredients and different uh, profitable uh, products. Uh, these guys got an idea that, hey, this guano is worth something. And they stripped a layer of guano from the cave approximately three to six feet deep using a pick and shovel with little regard to artifacts and shipped some 250 tons of it to the Hawaiian Fertilizer Company in San Francisco. Yeah, this place is out here in the middle of nowhere. I can't imagine that they were taking a lot of time to really go through the artifacts as they came across them. It says, Alfred Krober, founder of the University of California Anthropology Department, was contacted by Hart and Pugh when they reported finding prehistoric artifacts. This spurred the first archaeological dig of Lovelock in 1912, led by L.L. L. Laub, also of the University of California. Now, this 1912, I think that Howard Taft was president then. Uh, the, the country was becoming developed. We didn't have maybe like this huge octopus of government bureaucracy the way that we did today, but we still had an ex extensive and capable uh, government, you know, bureaucracy. I mean, this is just before World War One, so we definitely are in the modern era here. So if they wanted to hide something, they could. A second dig took place in 1924. And after finishing the excavations, Loud collaborated on a report that was published in 1929. What Loud found was nothing short of amazing. Approximately 10,000 archaeological specimens were uncovered, including tools, bones, baskets, and weapons. In other words, they found an awful lot of stuff. Now, it says, according to the report, 60 average height mummies were unearthed. Duck decoys, among the oldest known in the world with feathers still attached, and a sandal over 15 inches long were excavated. That is a big shoe. A donut-shaped stone with 365 notches carved along the outside and 52 corresponding notches inside was found, which some scientists believe is a calendar. I mean, come on. you got to give these guys some credit. 365 notches, one per day. And then you got the ones on the inside, possibly the lunar cycle. Interestingly, radiocarbon dating done on follow-up visits found vegetable material dating back to 2030 B.C., a human femur dating to 1450 B.C., 
human muscle tissue dating to 1420 BC and basketry dating back to 1218 BC. You guys were there for a long time. Archaeologists concluded from this that human occupation of Lilith Cave by this culture started in 1500 BC. Today's anthropologists call the people who lived in the area the Lovelock culture with the period lasting some 3,000 years. Many archaeologists believe that the Lovelock culture was replaced by the northern Paiutes. Well, maybe when the Paiutes destroyed them in that cave for, uh, for them having cannibalized them. There is some debate as to the veracity of the claims made regarding the Lovelock giants. During the initial excavations, there were reports of mummified remains being found of two red-haired giants. One was a female six and a half feet tall and the other a male of over eight feet tall. However, no such evidence remains. This is something that just seems to happen so often in these kind of cases where uh, a big a, a big reveal is made and then we see the parallel narrative come in where everything is just kind of denial, denial, denial. In Sarah Winnemucca Hopkins' book, the life among the Paiutes, the wrongs and claims. She does not mention giants, but does refer to so-called barbarians. Skeptics claim that chemical staining by earth after burial was a likely reason why mummified remains have red hair instead of black, like most Indians in the area. A study done at the University of Nevada indicates the giants were about six feet tall and not up to eight feet tall, as had been claimed. Well, that's kind of what I would expect these guys to come out and say. I'm not really expecting them to say, hey, we've made a discovery that's going to turn everything you know upside down. Now, it says to others, the uncovering of 15-inch sandals at Lubluck is proof that the pirate, that the pirate tale is real. In articles published in the Nevada Review Minor in 1931 in February, June of that year, it was reported that two very large skeletons were found in the Humboldt Dry Lake bed near Lovelock. So we have these things being found in and around where the Native Americans said they were. And guess what? They're giants. One of the Lovelock skeletons was reported to have measured eight and a half feet tall and was later described as having been wrapped in a gum-covered fabric similar to Egyptian mummies. This is strange too because as far as I know, the Natives didn't, the Native Americans didn't mummify their dead. It says, some other evidence for Lovelock Giants includes a set of images showing a handprint more than double the size of a normal man's hand imprinted on a stone boulder in the cave, which was released by Bigfoot investigator M.K. Davis and Don Monroe in 2013. Yeah, I got an image of that hand. It looks like it's way more than twice as big to me, but that's something I'm just not sure about yet. Along the Peru-Bolivia Peru border, skulls have been found near Lake Titicaca with claims being made they were from giants with reddish hair and elongated skulls. The legends tell of Euros Indians making reed boats and living on islands on Lake Titicaca similar to Paiute. The Incas apparently drove them, drove them to live this way, much like the Paiute's ancestors apparently did to the giants at Lake Luhontan. Yeah, they didn't like being cannibalized. Today, many of the original artifacts found at Lovelock, but no giants can be viewed at a small natural history museum located in Winnemucca, Nevada. I would question that if many of them could. A few could be seen there. Objects such as the duck decoys are housed at the, you guessed it, Smithsonian Museum in Washington, D.C., and the basketry and bones belong to the Nevada State Museum. So there you go. Divide and conquer. And put the really good stuff in Washington, D.C. Well, you'll never see it again. Just my opinion. The site is significant in an archaeological context because it is an example of a legend being confirmed by archaeological evidence. In this case, legends which the Paiute elders have been telling their tribal children for years. Yet everything except the part about them being giants. In fact, the Phoebe A. Hearst Museum of Anthropology at the University of California published a paper on Lovelock Cave in 2005 had this to say. The site has been extensively pot hunted and many materials remain in private collections. 
despite years of destruction, is one of the most important sites in the history of North American archaeology. Lovelock Cave was officially designated a historical site in 1984. Well, it's a fascinating case to say the least, but I think it's just one of those things where uh, we can only make our assumptions based on what's left to us. Were there giant skeletons? I believe so. But beyond that, at least we know that we have these giant sandals. At least we know that we have these uh, outsized artifacts that are found. And if we can see what we can see, which is probably just the tip of the iceberg, imagine uh, the treasures that are hidden away in private collections and in the vaults of the Smithsonian. Until next time, this is UFO Warning. Over and out. Thank <music> you.